you may be seated. You may be seated again. Thank you for those of you who are online with us tonight. Uh, we're in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Um, and uh, we kind of talked to this uh, chapter uh, from a thought about Paul says several times in here in this chapter that he was talking like a fool. And so because of that, I decided to just say that uh, if we had to choose a title, it would be talking like a fool in order to plead his case. So talking like a fool to plead his case. And, uh, and we're going to see that uh, play out here uh, in a minute. So again, we know that Paul was always at odds in, in, in the Corinthians church and in Corinth with the false prophets uh, and the false teachers and those who uh, were coming through and taking advantage of the people uh, for monetary gain. He kind of addressed that a little bit tonight, but at the same time, we know that the Corinthian church, you know, was in a place where, uh, you know, the community and environment was very, very worldly, secular, the, and the Greek philosophy was heavy in that area. And so a lot of times they put more emphasis on whether or not you were a learned person and was a great orator versus what the substance of what you were trying to get across. And so we're going to see some of that tonight when Paul, you know, kind of let them know that, you know, he may sound foolish uh, and compared to some of the people they listened to, but he was not ignorant. He was well learned in the things of God. And so you're going to make that clear, and I hope you all see that tonight. Now, in verse 1, you know, uh, he says, uh, I hope you will put up. Somebody say put up. He says, put up with a little more of my foolishness. So obviously he had been foolish once before, you know. So he said, hey, if y'all will put up with it just a little bit more. And, 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 and he asked him to, he begged and he urged him to, to please bear with me. You know, I mean, you know, Paul is saying, man, these, these guys coming at me hard, Major. They're they saying all types of things about me. They're they, 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 they disparaging my name, my reputation. And, 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 and I'm the guy who founded this church. And these other guys have got in here, and now they are coming at me in such a way that I'm afraid that some of you are starting to fall away. And that was his biggest concern, that he saw this church as so special that it hurt him to see them falling away because he had an expectation for them. We're going to see that here in a few minutes. He says now, so, so he tells them, I hope you will put up with me a little more, or put up with a little more of my foolishness. Please bear with me. Then in verse 2 he says, you know, he gives us an idea of how he thought he could present this church to God or to Christ. And look at this, what he says. For I am jealous for you with the jealousy of God himself. In other words, you know, if this is his bride and this is his church that he founded, he was saying that, man, I don't want nothing to come between our relationship. I'm jealous when you start showing your affection elsewhere. But I'm jealous with the jealousy of God himself. Look what he says. I promise you as a pure bride to one husband, Christ. So he's saying as, as the founder of the church, I believe I went out there and found this virgin. And now I want to present this virgin 
to Christ. And he's using language that was in that culture in that time. A father had the responsibility when he presented his daughter to be married to someone, he had to assure that she was pure, that she was a virgin. That was a pledge he had to take. And, and, and if that wasn't the case, you know, under the old system, you know, he'd get looked bad and she'd get stoned. Because I, I remember when I was over in Turkey and I thought this was so strange, but I didn't understand because I didn't know the Bible back in 73, 74. And so some of their cultural practices were strange to me. And so I went to a Turkish wedding, and after the wedding, the next day you go to another little ceremony, and that ceremony was where they had to present the sheets from the night before, after the wedding. And if there was no blood on the sheets, then it means that dad may have presented something that was not pure. And that would be a serious offense. Now, you know in America, that dog just wouldn't hunt. I mean, that, that, that dog would, that would, wouldn't hunt in America. But that, that's what Paul was trying to get him to see here. He's using vivid language to get, get that point across. He said, look, I promise you as a pure bride to one husband, ain't but one, ain't, I, I, I don't want you to have a relationship with one person, and that's Jesus Christ. But now these other folks that come in, and start telling you some things, and then what they're doing, they are polluting you. Because now when I present you, if they have defiled you, then there's no way you could be a virgin. So, so, that, so that was Paul's concern. Now, and I know he used that language, but you know, we know, we understand that all he's trying to say is that he had an expectation that once you, once you give your life to Christ, there ought to be an expectation that you're going to stay the course, you're going to be committed to him, and you're going to do your best to try to please him and live in a way that will honor him. And so he says now, look at verse 3. He says, but I fear that someone, somehow, your pure and undivided devotion to Christ will be corrupted, just as Eve was deceived by the cunning, by the cunning ways of the serpent. So now he compares them to what happened to Eve in the garden. He, he said, now look, my, I got a fear. Somehow your pure and undivided devotion, something's going to come in that's going to corrupt you. And you're not going to be as devoted and as committed to Jesus as you said when you, when you got baptized, when you said, I love the Lord. When, you, when you, you know identify with him, you came up walking in the newness of life. You know, that, that was three years ago. But now three years into this relationship, somebody done came in and corrupted you. Something done came in and corrupted you. And he said that, look, man, this fear that I got is the same thing that's going to happen to you that happened to Eve in the garden. You know, that something is going to get in and going to deceive you with their cunning ways, just like the serpent. Somehow, and he's, he's not talking about spiritual things now, he's talking about these false teachers. They're going to get inside your head. You know, deception starts with your mind. The enemy tries to get your mind to think something different than what you really see or what you really know. And so therefore, he said, man, these guys are going to get inside your head 
and they are going to deceive you with their cunning ways. They're sneaky, they're crafty. And, 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 and by doing so, they are acting just like the serpent. Now look at this. So, so now he done painted this picture, and then he, he talked about how happy they seem to be accepting a lie. You know, it looked like some folks just love to hear lies. Lies just carry. They're just happy to hear some lies. You know, sometimes truth make people think it may hurt a little bit, but when, you know, when you, people just start lying, people love to hear lies. Lies carry, man. So look at it. He said, now look, you happily put up with whatever anyone tells you. Even if they preach a different Jesus than the one we preach or a different kind of spirit than the one you receive or a different kind of gospel than the one you believe. He said, man, people coming in and preaching those things and you happy. And you putting up with it. Go ahead, go ahead. So, so uh, during this time, if, if the, the Christians in Corinth didn't, didn't have anything to validate the truth to, they didn't have the Bible, so they were, only, they were supposed to believe what they had already been taught. And then again, uh, some, of what, some of what the false prophets were doing was the same thing that kind of goes on now. I think in that it's partial truth, and they were subjected to believe that. So how would they, how would they validate? And then I, I was trying to study that. And, and I know sometimes I think we say uh, try the spirit, by the spirit. And then in 1 Corinthians, it was talking about if two or three more people. Am I on the right track? I, I, I'm trying to figure out how, how would they validate if, if false prophets were telling partial truth. Because, I mean, you can recognize a lie. I mean, after it's a, a, a total lie, after it's been said. Mm -hmm. But if they're mixing it with some of the truth and then some of the lie. Right. Well, you know, what they had, they did have the Old Testament. So, therefore, that was a foundation for them to build on because a lot of it was talking about Christ. You, they, the prophet's hat was talking about something that was to come. Now, the, what they have to trust here is that when Paul was called by Christ, he got a revelation from him. We have to trust that. We got to trust that when, when God, when Paul got knocked off the donkey and he went away and spent that time with the Lord and the Lord revealed himself to him, we got to trust that what he got was the truth and that he was, in, he was inspired to write it by the Holy Spirit. And so that, that's what these folks have to do because there was no, we, we, we have the privilege of having a New Testament. They got the privilege of having a letter that had to be written by someone that they believed in and because he founded a church and he, they believed what he was saying was true, you're exactly right. Somebody could come in there and say something entirely different based upon the Greek theology, a Greek teaching, a Roman teaching, and if it's sounding good, they can believe that too. And that's happening today with people. People are saying different things out there, 
and people are choosing what they want to believe. We believe what we have is the truth, but somebody else out there preaching something other than Jesus, and they believe they got the truth too. And they're telling their followers what we have is right, and we're telling our followers what we, what, what we have is right. So, so with that, it's just a matter of whether or not a person want to receive God's word based upon the Holy Scripture as truth. And that's what we all have to do by faith. Because like you say, the next person going to come and have a good argument, you're going to either believe it by faith because he probably won't have no evidence, physical evidence for you to see. We don't have a Jesus to come back with holes in his hand. You see what I'm saying? We got to believe that the cross was real. Fred and then Brother Mike. A lot of times I think we, we like to hear what appeals to us. It's like you're striving to, you know, uh, uh, if you're married, you shouldn't go out and commit adultery. If another church teaches, well, as long as you date somebody else, even if you're married, as long as you don't go that far, it's all right. So a lot of times we we, we, we appeal, we, we, we run toward what appeals to us and let us do what we want to do without any scripture. Amen. And, and so the Bible talked about in the last day, they're going to have itching ears. They're going to flock to people who are going to tell them what they want to hear. And so that's why it's important for, you know, when you go to church, the pastor don't have to read the whole Bible to you, but he ought to read some of the Bible during his sermon. There ought to be a reference to something that he's building upon and, and that he's basing the, his sermon on. But, but, but if you don't know the word and someone get up there and twist the word, then therefore they can twist it to satisfy you. And you can say, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, ain't nothing wrong with that. You know, you married, you can be having an affair with someone, and as long as you don't cross that line, you know, y'all don't have sex, it's okay. Okay. And somebody say, yeah, that's right. My wife ought to understand that. Well, now that go back to, you know, undivided devotion. Can you be undivided, devoted to your wife and to somebody else at the same time? time. That's going to be a divided loyalty. Amen. And so that's what he was concerned. Hey, look, you, you can't say you're married to Christ and you were the virgin when you came to him and now you're sleeping with everybody. That's literally what he's saying. I mean, I gave you the one husband. So the implication is that now you got some other husbands out there because you listen to something else. Now that's what he used in marriage as an example, but he's talking about, hey, I came and you taught you the gospel, I was the founder of the church, and then now you listen to all these other guys, all these other people teaching you all this other stuff, and you're throwing away what you believe was the truth. Brother Mike, and I'm going to read on. Yes, Pastor, that's why I want to uh, elaborate a little bit on verse 2 as to the spiritual adultery. And that's where um, God had spoke to Hosea concerning Israel, that they were supposed to marry to him, not to other rest of the gods out there. And so he, since the church is, Paul is presenting to us now, since the church is married to Christ, and he presents us, we're supposed to live holy as a bride of Christ. And then he's happy to present the church like a virgin, like you come into Christ and you're a virgin. But when you break through that and you go worship other gods or you live ungodly, then you are committed halotry. So which means the church is not no longer 
the opportunity we no longer, we, we have committed adultery. Amen. Spiritual adultery as far as concerned. So when we, we're supposed to be loyal to a husband, which is Christ. So we, when, we, when we go out there and worship other gods or do what is not right, then we have broke that, that trust and that relationship. Amen. Amen. And, 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 and so it's important for us to understand that, that, that we serve a God that, that is a jealous God, but at the same time, he sent us his son, and he expects us to accept that as truth. And, and some things that Jesus say, it's hard for the world to accept, and it's hard for us to defend it sometimes, when, especially when Jesus came out, and, and it looked like he made a, a, a clear statement when he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. So now, that man, that sounds like, hey, if you ain't got me, you ain't got the right thing. <laughs> you, you got the wrong husband <laughs> if you ain't got me. Now, when you got to tell that to one of your friends over here who say, no, nah, I don't believe that God is so narrow that he will only give us one way back to him. There's no way a loving God would just give us one way back to him. Surely there got to be another way. Yes, we acknowledge that there's God up here, but maybe there's other trails that can get to him and it don't involve Jesus. And that argument may fly with some people say, yeah, you know, you're right. Because we all know Abraham. Everybody can trace their roots back to Abraham. Everybody got ties to Abraham. Yeah. So why disconnect on Jesus? Let's just talk about our connection to Abraham and know that Abraham knew God. So therefore, if I know Abraham and I'm a Muslim, because you know, Ishmael, Abraham, I'm in. Or if I'm a Jew and I know Abraham and Abraham knew God, I'm in. We sang songs, Father Abraham had many sons. And many sons have Father Abraham. And so when I studied that, Islam hold Abraham in high esteem. Christianity hold Abraham in high esteem. And Judaism hold Abraham in high esteem. So if you use an analogy of a mountain peak and you say God is the God that sits at the top of the mountain. He's the true God. And down here, you got Abraham. Abraham knew that God. And through Abraham come Islam, come Judaism, come Christianity. They, they negate Jesus. They take Jesus out. When you put Jesus there as the way above Abraham, a piece, then now they say, nope. Now you are saying that God has defined this thing that tight. And we are saying what Jesus said. But to someone who don't want to believe that God will be that narrow, that analogy of the mountain with many trails makes sense. Yeah, that's a loving God. He loved the world. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. Okay, yeah. But his son is just another prophet, just like Muhammad. Anybody else? And so when you don't know the truth and, 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 and you don't stand on what you know, Someone can come and, like you say, like you say, man, and corrupt you. And that's why I tell people, you got to know how to defend what you believe.
because there's some arguments out there now that's so cunning and so crafty and so slick, man, your natural mind will say, yeah, there will be no way that God would just let my little grandmama go to hell. Grandmama loved people. She fed people. She did all kinds of nice things. But grandmama just didn't believe in Jesus. But she did a lot of good things. Now, that's for God to decide. Now, if God got a plan that grandmama going to get in by her good works, I can't argue with God. He can do what he want. But the book that I read don't lead me to believe that that's how God operates. Right. Now, if grandmama was a law unto herself, they say that was some who were the law, did all the things in the law, even though they didn't have the law, they became a law unto itself, then in that, somehow, grandmama going to do all the things that Jesus would require to do, even if she may not have never seen Jesus, may have never gone through the, in, in, the, in the physical, said something. So maybe God can wear it that way. I don't know what God's going to do. My thing is that I got to act on what I know and what I believe. And if Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, I can't skip that scripture. You know, a lot of times when I get to it, I just want to skip over because I know it's, it's, it's a separator. And it makes people feel uncomfortable. But so now does this too. When he said he wanted a pure bride, one husband. Not a whole lot of different husbands out there. So you got, you, he narrowed it down to, hey, and that husband is Christ. Amen. He didn't say you could have other husbands. He said Christ. So either we have to believe that or we can nuance it to please other folk and make it sound okay. But that's what happened when you know you're no longer pure and you have undivided devotion. And, and look at you can just apply that to a relationship. You ain't got to even get spiritual right there. Two people get married. They love each other. And they promise that they're going to be there for each other and only themselves, da-da-da, pure and undefiled. And then someone go out and commit adultery. Man, you done got corrupted. Somebody done deceived you. Somebody done got inside your head. And so what that does, that's going to cause a separation and some issues in the family. And so he's saying here, man, I look at you guys as a bride. And when I present y'all to Christ, man, I, I don't want you to be, have all these husbands because you out there believe in this and you believe in that and you believe in that. And then now I got to present you to him and he got to fight through all them to get to you. That's kind of what he's saying, if y'all understand what he's trying to do, the analogy that he's using. He said, because they're preaching a different kind of spirit than the one you receive, a different kind of gospel than the one you believe. So these people had already received something and believed it, but somebody came in and got inside their head. So look at this. He says, now he start to, you know... <laughs> Start to, you know, bristle up a little bit. Paul, his tone starts start to change here a little bit. In five or six, he look. But I don't consider myself inferior in any way to these super apostles who teach certain things, such things that he just got to talking about. I may be unskilled as a speaker, but I'm not lacking in knowledge. We have made this clear to you 
in every possible way. He said, now look, I know y'all like fancy speakers. I know y'all like guys who subjects and verbs agree and their enunciation is perfect and they are great orators because that's what these folk were. They prided themselves. You know when he went to Corinth and he went down to Athens and Greece and down there at, around the, the marketplace at the center at the Areopagus, they sit down there every day and philosophize. Great minds, great thinkers, because these people were some of the great thinkers of the time, and there are a lot of things they uh, use. I hear preachers using some of their quotes, Aristotle and those guys, and, and doing that Plato, those guys who are great thinkers. And Paul said, now look, you guys are familiar with those great orators, and because I don't sound like they sound, and because I'm not as articulate as they are, you know, you guys are, <laughs> I don't see myself inferior. And, 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 and so now he started to defend himself because I'm pretty sure if he got to say that, someone must have been saying, you know that guy y'all listen to, he, he just got a high school education. He ain't even been to college. He ain't been to no seminary. He just woke up one morning and talked about he'd been called. You know, been called, the Lord spoke to him in his sleep. He didn't go to no Bible college that. And all of a sudden now, he up preaching to y'all. And Paul said, look, that's what they're saying about me. They're making it look like I'm uneducated. When Paul says, you know, I may not be a skilled speaker, but I ain't lacking in knowledge now. I ain't no dummy. I, I know some things about God. I know some things about Jesus. I'm, I may not be able to say it as clear. Like my grandson got on me this week, he says, I used the word, and, uh, and he said that you, you didn't pronounce it right. I said, okay. I, I can't think of it. Now, I'm just going to come back to him and finish. And I say, you know, that's kind of just the way I said it. But I think, I think people understood what I said. But he said, that ain't how it's normally pronounced. I said, okay. Well, I'm glad you caught that. Did you learn anything else I said? I mean... Did that, but did that mispronunciation, that one word, mess you up? And I mean, you just couldn't, you could you say, granddaddy, granddaddy is not articulate. But I say, but one thing granddaddy do know is the Bible. I may not be able to pronounce it. He said, yeah, you said Mephibosheth real good. You got the big one, but it was that little one that you just, I said, okay, okay. I mean, you paid that close attention to me. Okay, got you. I mean, I got you. So, but, but I say, look here, when it come to knowledge, your granddad ain't lacking now because I, I put the work in to study this Bible. And, and, and so that's what Paul was saying. Look, man, Paul was a Hebrew's Hebrew. He, he, he was a rabbi. I mean, Paul had went through the Pharisaic school. And he was well learned. But when it came to the things of Christ, he wasn't trying to please people with with how articulate he was. He was trying to win folks to the Lord. And we say, look, I became all things to all men that by all means I may win some. So if I got to sound like this with them and sound like that with them, in order for them to get this across to, it, to them so they can learn it, guess what? That's what I'm going to do. And, and so now he's kind of defending, you know, who he is and his upbringing because he's saying that, look, he lacks nothing when it comes to Knowledge. Look what he says. Now he get on them a little bit. Now he get, you know, he asks a significant question. Was I wrong when I humbled myself 
and honor you by preaching the good news to you without expecting anything in return. Paul said, now look, because I know how y'all were, and I know if I had it allowed y'all to pay me to preach, y'all would have used that against me. Y'all had it. Y'all, we learned from a lot the previous lesson that the Corinthian church was a well-off church. So they had people in there that had the means. But he said, now while I was with y'all, I would rather be a tent maker in the daytime and teach to y'all at night than to get paid and be a full-time teacher to y'all. Because I didn't want to hear y'all mouth. Preacher getting all the money. Can't do nothing. And that's why some folk today. And, and what they got to understand is that, look, if it means that, then your heart is not in the right place. That's a different thing than the preacher robbing you now, stealing from you and all that. I ain't, I ain't for that. But at the same time, he said, now look, he asked himself, was I wrong? He feel like, man, by doing that, I may have been wrong because I made, at one place, somebody said, I, I made y'all an inferior church because y'all didn't understand this principle of giving. So he come and say, was I wrong when I humbled myself? You can't be wrong for humbling yourself because God wants to be humble. And honor you by preaching the good news to you without expecting anything return. Because the other guys coming through, you know, I'm going to like say, you know, uh, they already thought he was unskilled. And then, so now why should I pay an unskilled guy? You know, in the real world, all preachers don't command the same honorarium. Amen. Amen. So now, little Bolden goes somewhere and preach. I ain't going to get nowhere near where somebody's going to pay Jake's. So I might as well go and preach for free. Because he's going to get it. He can, he can command that who he is. You see what I'm saying? So he's saying, now look, Man, did, was I wrong when I didn't expect you guys to give to support the ministry that I was presenting to y'all? And then he let us know, man, he must have felt bad because he says, man, he used some strong language in verse 3. I robbed. <laughs> and this is a guy, man, a guy say, I robbed other churches by accepting their contribution so that I could serve you at no cost. So it wasn't that he didn't want to be compensated for what he was doing. He wouldn't allow them to use that against him. So he said, I will go without and preach to y'all for free so that I can get some of y'all saved. And I robbed the little churches over in Macedonia that didn't have much, but they wanted to support the ministry. Man, and he asked, oh, yeah. So he said, to serve you at no cost. Now look at verse 9. And when I was with you and didn't have enough to live on, I did not become a financial burden to anyone. For the brothers who came from Macedonia brought me all that I needed. I, ne I have never been a burden to you and I never will be. So Paul was saying, look, I don't want your money if, that, if you believe in what the false teachers are saying. If you believe that they're saying that the only reason I preach the gospel is because I want your money, then I'll preach it to you 
for free if that's what your mindset is. And I believe that any man or woman of God who has been called to preach, they ought to preach whether they get an honorarium or not. If you get an opportunity to stand up and share the word of God and God doesn't call you to preach, you get honorarium, you get paid, that's, that's, that's a plus. But, but if God gives you an opportunity to speak this gospel to somebody who can't afford to pay you for speaking, man, that ought to be honor. It shouldn't be the first thing you got to find out before you go to preach about it, but what's the honorarium for coming to your church? Well, we just want to hear you, Doc. No. Yeah. I'm going to just get down that way there and I'm going to show them just what I've been through and I'm going to put the focus on me and my suffering in order to make my case. He said, normally I, I just want to boast in the Lord and I'm going to give him the credit, but now I'm going to tell you about me and what I've been through so you can shut up accusing me of trying to get your money. Y'all say, I'm at your money. I'm finna shut you up now. I done told you I was with you. I worked worked with tent makers while I was with y'all. And and so he was letting them know, y'all are falling for what someone else telling you who have been through nothing for Jesus. They ain't suffered nothing for him. They ain't weathered nothing for him. All they're doing is coming and telling you what you want to hear, and you paying them. Y'all following this so far? I hope it's making sense. Now look, he says, but look, let me read verse 10. He says, as sure as Christ is in me, no one in all of Greece will ever stop me from boasting about this. Why? He said, look, because I don't love you. Well, you know he do. God knows I do. I love you. He says, but I will continue doing what I have always done. This will undercut those who are looking for an opportunity to boast that their works is just like ours. He says, look, I'm going to boast and brag and say, look, I'll, I'm going to continue preaching to y'all for free. Because I'm not going to give them guys an opportunity to use that against me. Even if I got to suffer preaching free. Even if I got to go eat day to day, somebody got to give me a meal every day. To, to keep them other guys from using that against me and keep y'all from using that against me, I'll suffer Amen. for the gospel's sake. Amen. And he's saying that because everybody is not willing to take up the cross to follow Jesus. Amen. And the cross is an instrument of suffering. And so therefore, today, that's why people go to churches where their ears are itchy, where they want to hear, because nobody talk about going through for the Lord. That message don't sell no more. Nobody come to church on Sunday and want to hear they got to go through something on Monday as they walk with the Lord. They want to hear Monday's going to be great, Tuesday's going to be greater, and Friday is going to be your greatest life ever. And, you, and wait a minute. If you desire to live godly, the Bible says you will suffer persecution. So if you're living as a Christian and you never go through anything, nobody ever say something based on what you believe, there's a good possibility you ain't living what you believe. It's easy to come to church and go through the motion, but what you gonna live on Monday? And so that's what he was saying, now look, I'm gonna start boasting about what I have gone through for the Lord. Y'all follow him so far? He said, look at verse 13. These people are false apostles, the one who lied on him, They are deceitful workers who disguise themselves 
as apostles of Christ. So there are men out there, women out there, who can sound like they really know Jesus. You don't need to go to seminary to pick up the Bible and just read the Gospels and start picking out what you can use in there to get over on folk. They disguise themselves like they're really apostles of Christ. But all they're doing is using that disguise to take advantage of folk. Y'all following that so far? Now look, but I am not surprised. Even Satan disguised himself as an angel of light. That's why the devil can, is so deceptive. That's why you got to know the word. That's why you got to have the spirit of God inside of you because he, if he can disguise himself to look like he is part of God's team, I mean, you really got to have a discerning spirit when you're dealing with some folks who are cunning and crafty. You got to know the word. You got to be able to see certain things because you spend time with God and he show you certain things so that you won't get duped, so that you won't get taken advantage of. Because the devil is good at what he does. I mean, he good. I mean, he is good. And so because he's good at what he does, he finds people who are ignorant. And ignorant just means you just don't know. You lack the knowledge. You don't know something. So when people play on what you don't know, amen, not knowing something is not good because that means people can determine what they want you to know. And if it sounds good to your natural man, you're more apt to believe it because you can receive that anyway. We're all in, in the natural, in the flesh. We can receive that more than we can receive spiritual things because in most of us, our spirits are undernourished. If we don't feed it spiritual things, then it's going to be undernourished. And when it's undernourished, our flesh is going to run the game. He said, now look. He says, so it is no wonder that his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness. So there can be some ungodly folk who know how to act righteous. In the end, they will get their punishment. They will get the punishment that wicked deeds deserve. So Paul said, they're going to be here as long as we're here. Folk like that ain't going nowhere. If they were there in his day, if you study enough ministers now, you watch enough stuff online, on the internet, and all these folks out there, you're going to find some crooked folk out there. And, and they are preying on some people. But if you don't know the truth, what they're saying sounds good, man. Some people just sitting in their basement now, just typing stuff, just putting stuff out there that sounds good. And people thinking that, man, because it's on the internet, because it showed up on my phone, because it showed up on, on this site, it must be true. And that's made just sit down in his basement just typing and thinking, what's going to come to my mind today? Major, ain't nothing stopping you from going home tonight and saying, well, you know, I woke up this morning and I had a vision from the Lord. And he told me he's going to be back in 150 days. And y'all need to get ready. You need to start making preparation for his return. I mean, the light was bright. I saw him clear. And he told me, this is what you need to do to make preparation. Now, somebody who don't know the truth, you're talking about light. And you know the different parts of the world talk about light. Light is not just used in the church. 
There are people out there trying to enlighten their mind and all kinds of beliefs. Everybody want to be in light. But Major done seen the light. He said we got 150 days. In order for him to bless us, based on his revelation, you need to sow me a seed. I want you to send me $150 for these 150 days. And I'm going to pray for you for these 150 days. And I believe that when you come back, you're going to be raptured up with him. Now that's some gullible folks. Yeah, that's an easy way to get to heaven. I'm going to send Major $150. Now that's an extreme. I mean, that was so extreme, an idiot shouldn't fall for that. But there are some guys that are a lot more crafty and cunning. They come real close to the line with scripture. And when you don't know the truth, you know, a half-truth is a whole lie. And a half-truth sounds good to the person who don't know the truth. Now look at this. In verse 16, Paul says, Again I say, don't think that I am a fool to talk like this. But even if you do, Major, <laughs> don't think that I'm a fool, but even if you do, listen to me. <laughs> even if you think Bowden is a fool right now, listen to me. He tell him, don't think that I'm a fool to talk like this, but even if you do think I'm a fool, Listen to me. Yeah. Don't, don't tune me out right now. Listen to what I got to say. Hear me plead my whole case. Because you know somebody, you know, that's a fool that talks. You stop your ears. And you say, hear me out. Listen to me. I'm pleading my case. And you know sometimes you ever watch, you know, stories on TV. Uh, in court, have you ever been to court? You know, there are certain parts of a court that are just boring. But then there are certain people that get on the stand you got to listen. you got to pay close attention. And they may sound like they're foolish starting off, but the lawyer know they're going somewhere. They're building a case. They're heading somewhere. And they're saying, hey, even though it sounds foolish right now, just, just hold on. In the end, it's going to all make sense. And he's saying to them, listen to me. As you, would, as you would do to a foolish person, while I also boast a little. He had already told them they would listen to Folks that didn't know. And now he said, if you listen to them, you might well listen to me. While I boast a little bit. Now you know, that's where it's kind of getting tough right here, Brother Purdue. Because he, he said, while I also boast. He said, look, if they can talk and brag about what they're doing, I can tell you some stuff I'm doing. And, and this is where, you know, Paul kind of, this is why I say, now I don't know what Paul did. This is why I say he just kind of got in the natural, got in the flesh for a moment. So these guys building a strong case against me, and in order for me to win this case, I'm going to have to appeal to the jury, you know, sense. I got to get right where the jury is. I can't be too deep right now. I can't be too spiritual because right now the jury, <laughs> they, ain't, they ain't feeling all this spiritual. So I got to make it very plain. I got to make it right down there on the street they live on so they can understand exactly what I'm about to say. And so it's going to sound like, you know, because some people, they understand. And you know, when some people are just bragging about their accomplishments, people listen. You know, when you start talking about what you done did, you got the plaques on the wall and all that, folk. Listen. So he said, just bear with me for a little while. He said, now, in verse 17, he says, 
Major, he even tell on himself. He said, such boasting is not from the Lord. But I am acting like a fool. He says, but I am acting like a fool. He already said earlier that he was acting like a fool. Now he come back and say, now look, I know this boasting I'm about to say ain't from the Lord. But because these folks understand foolishness better than they understand spiritual stuff, I'm going to just get foolish for a minute. Because I got to connect with them. If I don't get foolish, I'm going to lose them. I got to get down to where they can understand what I'm talking about. You know, it's kind of like sometimes here on Sunday when I'm preaching, I can look out there and tell when I'm losing some folks. So whenever I feel like I'm losing some people, I'm going to throw some humor in. I'm, I'm going to call some names. I'm gonna, all those things by design. I just call, when I call on people like that, you know, you call on one or two people and everybody wake up. Because they think they may be next. You know what I mean? So, so it's, just a, it's just a matter of how you hold people so that you don't lose them when something is coming that they need. And so Paul said, look, man, I ain't about to lose you guys right now because I'm going to act like a, like a fool. He said, look at this. Y'all got to get this, man. I hope y'all understand what I'm trying to say here. Come look at what he says. And since others boast about their human achievements, I will too. If you've been listening to them talking about all the stuff they done did, let me start telling you what I've done. Let me start listing some of the things that I've gone through for what I believe. Since you won't just accept the fact that Jesus is this, and I've been telling you all these things about Jesus, now let me get down to where they are and talk about my achievements just like you've been, you've been clapping and raising their hand when they talk about what they've done. So now let me just get down there and tell you what I've done. Y'all following that? He said, look, after all, you think you are so wise, but you enjoy putting up with fools. You see what he's saying? Y'all are smart people, Corinthians, and y'all think you're wise, but it looks like to me y'all like putting up with fools more so than you like getting true wisdom from above. And since y'all like putting up with fools for a few minutes, I'm going to act like a fool. I'm going to act like a fool so I can get your attention and I'm going to boast about some things that the Lord has done for me. And that's what he's doing now. So when we start reading, you know, uh, uh, most of this, you're going to see this. He says now, he says in verse 20, he said, well, let me read 19 again. After all, you think you're wise, but you enjoy putting up with fools. Look what he said you put up. You put up with it when someone enslaves you. Then he tell them about four things they do when they enslave them. They take everything you have. These false teachers that came in and they've been selling you all this stuff and, and you've been, and they get everything you got. They take advantage of you. They take control of everything and then they slap you in the, in the face. They, they, they treat you like you're ignorant. They treat you like you're nothing. They slap you in the face. They come in, they take everything you have. You know, you done been around ministries where you go to a conference and they, and they try to take everything you have. I mean, I done been to them. I mean, I, I, mean, I, was, I was been that day, Fred, when I thought that the way you find the Lord, you had to go to every conference you can go to, not realizing that some of those guys were takers, man. They would take everything you came with and don't even care that you're giving up your gas money or whatever. They'll take everything you have. 
Then they try to take control, and then guess what? Once they get you, they, you know, marketing has been marketing. Once they get your address, they're going to be sending you stuff. If you ever been to a conference, you leave your address, all of a sudden you get all this stuff in the mail. I'm still getting stuff from folks from the day, back in the day. Send me this, send me that. Why? Because they still got my name on the list. I visited a church out in Las Vegas. The first time I went out there, man, that got to be at least 12 years ago. And them dudes still writing me. As if they know me, you know, this is what we're doing. And I, oh, by the way, you know, can you see the seed, send a seed faith offering? You know what I'm saying? Man, I ain't, these guys don't know nothing about me. All they got is my name and their database. And guess what they're doing? They're just figuring out, okay, if we send this out to 100,000 people, the cost of a stamp, if we just get 20,000 of them to respond, we're going to be all right. These guys know what they're doing. I'm not saying all of them like that because it takes money to run ministries. Don't get me wrong there. But I've been around enough to know that some of these guys, they won't take everything. <laughs> Amen. And then they'll slap you right in the, in the face. Got to pay to get saved. And that don't make no sense. Look at this. I am ashamed to say that we've been too weak to do that. He said, man, look. Paul said, look. Man. We should have did the same thing. <laughs> I mean, it was working for them. It was working for them. But he says, I'm ashamed to say that we were too weak to do those things I just got through saying to you, to take advantage of you, to take control of you. We were too weak. We were too weak to slap you in the face. But whatever they dare to boast about, I'm talking like a fool again. I dare to boast about it too. Now, from verse 22 all the way to about 28, he started boasting about Paul. So since y'all want to hear, let me just lay it out there, what I've been through. And then you can take what I'm saying in my boasting and what they're telling you in their boasting and see who really served the Lord and who's willing to go through what it may take to get the gospel to somebody that don't know the gospel. It's easy to get the gospel out when it's convenient to you, when everything is going well in your life. But can you get it out when there's going to be challenges? So he says, he first started off by acknowledging that they, that he just as much a Hebrew as they are. Look, he said, are they Hebrews? In other words, you know, do they, do they have a pure bloodline? Are they Hebrews? Can they trace their blood back to the, through the Hebrew lineage? You know, can, can they trace their blood all the way back, you know, to Abraham? He says, so am I. I can do that also. Are they Israelites? Meaning that, do they come out of one of the 12 tribes? You know, and he says, so am I. You know, when Paul was talking to the Philippians, he said, you know, I'm of the tribe of Benjamin. I'm a Hebrews, Hebrew. When he said that, he was letting everybody know, I'm a pure-blooded Hebrew. My mama was a Hebrew and my dad was a Hebrew. They didn't get mixed up and marry across, you know, ethnic, line, ethnic lines back then like some were doing. You know, other tribes did. But I was in a tribe where I, we was Hebrew. Everybody that was connected with us 
was pure-blooded Jews. He said, if they like that, so am I. Are they descendants of Abraham? So am I. So he said, now, when it comes to the old things that they're boasting about, they ain't got nothing on me. We're all the same in that regard. Then he says, are they servants of Christ? <laughs> now look at this. Now this, this way get really, y'all got to follow this. We're going to talk about this. He says, I know I sound like a madman. Paul said, at this point, you know, I'm pleading my case, and I sound like a madman. But I have served him far more. And he's saying, compared to what those other guys have done, man, I've served Jesus far more. He says, I have worked harder. Then he goes through his litany. I've been put in prison more often than they have been. Them guys preaching to you, they ain't been through nothing. They ain't even been put in jail for what they're talking about. So whatever they're talking about ain't upsetting nobody. What I'm talking about, Jesus upset folk. And, and by me talking about him being, you know, the Messiah and, and, and the Son of God, man, I get put in jail. Them guys must not be talking the same message that I'm talking. They may be talking something, but they ain't talking nothing that's going to put them in jail, Major. And so therefore, I've been put in jail more often, been whipped times without number, been whipped times without number. In other words, you know, you know, when you got to go back and read Acts and to get an appreciation of what he's saying here, those of you who've been around, we've been, been through the whole Bible now in the New Testament for the most part, except in the gospel. When Paul was talking about it and Luke was writing about things in Acts, he talked about all the suffering and stuff that Paul went through. And then you read those letters that Paul wrote to those churches that we already have studied, then this all makes sense to you. Because he, he taught, this is not new. He said many of these things in Acts and Romans and those letters that he wrote to the churches. He said, been whipped times without number and faced death again and again. He said, ain't none of them guys wouldn't have died for the Lord. When it was time to face death, them boys jumped off the ship. You know, they, 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 they ain't been there. He said, now look, five times the Jewish leaders gave me 39 lashes. Now, what was the significance of 39 lashes? Anybody know the law? Anybody know the law? Well, under the, under the law, the legal limit that you can beat somebody and not be held accountable if they died from the beating was 40 lashes. Okay? And so most of the time, just in case Major miscounted, we're going to stop at 39. So he said, they didn't want to mess around and hit me 41 time, and I died because they miscounted. And then now it's on them. But they could, they could legally beat me and hit me with 49 lashes. But they stopped at 39 because that's what the Jews did. And so he said, now look. He says, look. Five times the Jewish leaders gave me 39 lashes. Three times I was beaten with rods. So now the Jews couldn't beat you with rods. That was something that the Romans had to administer. So Paul said, look, I done went through all these things. And, and what he doing, he, Major, he boasted. He said, I'm sounding like a fool. I'm bragging now. I'm telling you what I went through. I'm giving you my testimony of what I've gone through because I need to get these guys off my back. 
Because they are pulling you away and you're no longer a virgin. You're no longer devoted to Jesus. Now you follow them. So I got to get, man, I got to pull out every stop I can because I can't lose this case. Once I was stoned, three times I was shipwrecked. Once I spent the whole night and day adrift at sea. Again, you read the book of Acts, you can see most of these accounts. He said, look, I have traveled on many long journeys. Any of you gotta, if any of you have a, a good Bible, in the back of your Bible, normally they give you maps of Paul's missionary journeys. Three missionary journeys, it can, it, and they show you all the places that he went throughout the Mediterranean region to Turkey and all those places. And so he said, look, man, I have traveled, you know, a long way and been in dangerous situations. He said, look, I have faced dangers from my, from my own people, the Jews, as well as the Gentile. And he also said earlier that while he was traveling the dangerous rivers, man, he had to also face robbers. Now he's just going through everything he's been through. He's giving him his testimony to say, if it comes to me telling the truth of the gospel, man, if Jesus wasn't real, I would have jumped off the ship after that first beating. Ain't no way I would have took five more beatings. Ain't no way I would have got stoned. Ain't no way I would have got whipped with a rod. Man, that's some preachers to quit for a whole lot less than that. You know, somebody coming in one minute, then all of a sudden now they, they walk away from their calling. Because they can't take the pressure that come down and come with it. And so he's saying, now look, man, so that's why he could boast that his work was greater than theirs because for the cause of the gospel, he served at a higher level. And serving Christ is not going to always be comfortable. He's, look, man, look, y'all got to go back and read this on your own because, I mean, he say this so now. He says, I have, I'm still in verse 26. I have faced dangers from my own people, the Jews, as well as the Gentiles. I have faced dangers in the cities, in the deserts, and on the seas. I have faced dangers from men who claim to be believers, but are not. Man. Paul, that's why you can say I was perplexed on every side. I was crushed, but not destroyed. I mean, he had went through a lot of things for the gospel, and right now they, they got him to the point where he just got to be foolish and boast a little bit. And he's not doing this to blow himself up. Man, he's doing this so that this pure church that he feels like is slipping away from him because false teachers are coming in discrediting him and making him look like he's a huckster, and he's got to say to them, Man, if all I wanted was your money, man, I would have came and got your money and not even talked about Jesus, talked about another Jesus like everybody else is doing. And I wouldn't have had to go through the beatings. I wouldn't have had to go through all that traveling. I could have stayed in just one place and just, you know, raked it all in. And so now he says, I have faced dangers from men who claim to be believers but are not. Look, I have worked hard, and long, enduring many sleepless nights. I have been hungry and thirsty and have often gone without food. I have shivered in the cold without enough clothing to keep warm. Then, besides all this, I have the daily burden of my concern for all the churches. 
Man, look here, man, you, you, I hope y'all understand what he said. Y'all don't think y'all got that. He said, man, all this physical stuff I'm going through. I ain't sleeping. I ain't eating like I should eat. All the beatings, all the stuff. And in the midst of all that, I can't even focus on my own self. I got to be worried about that little old church I started over there in Antioch. I ought to be focused on my own, say how I'm going to make it. Now I'm worried. I'm praying for that little old church I started over there in Antioch. I'm praying for them little old churches over in Macedonia. I'm going through all this on top of all that. Now he said, man, my mind is just almost gone. All these things going on, and now I got to be focused on a church somewhere else daily? Now, you, you know, you read that major, the natural. The natural man said, Paul just lying. You know, in the net, it'll be easy to sell that major. If you, if I was trying to convince somebody, I would say, Major, do you believe any man in the flesh would do all that for Jesus that you've never seen? And Paul just lying. You say, Yeah, he probably is lying. He exaggerated. He telling all them hyperbole, man. He, he just lying. Or he loved them. Or he loved them. But you know which one to sell the best? You think? He lied. Them sound like lies. You know how it is when your, when your friend get on a roll and they lying? They just lie. You, you don't been around people who can lie? They can, they can lie. They can lie. They can lie, man. You say, whoa. You know that boy lying, but it sounds good. And then so he said, look, somebody will come along and say, man, you can't believe nobody to say they done did all that for the Lord. That don't make sense to the natural person because most people say, I ain't going through that for Jesus. And that last verse in 28 caught me, man. He said, then, besides all this, I have the daily burden of my concern for all the churches. I ain't just concerned about you Corinthians, man. I'm concerned about all the churches. That's like a pastor of a church said, man, besides all the stuff that go on, you got to be concerned about all these other sheep that you don't even see all the time. All the, all the people that you don't see but once a month, twice a month, or whenever. He said, all the other stuff that you get day to day, here it is, do this, do that, all these things that's happening. Man, if you really, then you go home and think, oh, it's an easy day, and then all of a sudden you got to be concerned. I ain't seen this person in six months. I ain't seen that person. What may be going on with them? And that's what he's saying, look, man, I ain't been in these churches in a long time, and, 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 and now here I am, Going without clothing to keep warm. And on top of that, Major, I'm shivering and thinking about Major. Paul lying. <laughs> that, 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 he just said, man, Paul just lying. He just lying. Ain't no way no man will go through all that. But if we say that the word of God is the truth, we have to believe that Paul was inspired to write that by the Holy Spirit and that what he's saying is true. Because if you can discount any of what he just said, then you might want to discount the rest of the Bible too. If you can't believe that, then if you can't believe what Paul just said, ain't no way you're going to believe in the beginning. God said, let there be light, and there was. If you can't believe this guy went without clothes, went without sleep, got shivering, if you can't believe that, ain't no way you're going to believe nothing else. And so that's why I tell people it's important to believe this word even when it don't make sense to your natural mind. You've got to trust that the word of God is true. 
And that's why I encourage people, read multiple translations of the Bible so that you can get different versions and get a better understanding. We were brought up reading King James, but I don't read the natural King, the normal King James all the time because that language don't resonate with people like that. But a lot of the reference material that you use to study go back to that book. So you have to have it in your repertoire somewhere to go and look up all the words because everybody built, built off of that particular Bible. Go ahead. But that shows you that Paul had a passion for power. Because he was always worried about, you know, being a good shepherd, even the, the, the little sheep, he was worried about. You know, he was just worried about them all. Amen. Them. Amen. Brother Mike, did I see your hand? Yes, what I wanted to say is um, it probably would be hard for the people in Corinth that he was making his uh, case to, to believe him or not, because they had nothing to look back to. But we, at the scripture, we have evidence of his journey in scripture, if we believe the Bible, of, uh, in, in the Mediterranean and his, his journey all over and the churches that he planted and how he spoke to Agrippa and, and, and Felix and all the rest of the people. The Bible with record of all of it. And uh, um, the time that they had all the prisoners on the, on the sea when, when the boat um, went down. And he told them nobody was going to die on the boat because he had heard it from God. So all these things before, and now he's telling that to us, so we believe it. But the people that he was speaking to then didn't have evidence that he was telling the truth. Amen. And, 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 and that's why the faith back then was, was so important. And that's why you had to trust the person that was presented to you. And as the founder of the church, they first believed him until someone else started coming in and telling them something different. And so look at this. He says, he, he, in verse 29, he says, Who is weak without my feeling that weakness? Now, he, he's asking a question, but he's really saying he could sympathize with those who are weak in the faith. Those churches that he started, like Major just said, and like some of you said, man, when they're going through in their weakness, I can feel their weakness, you know, because they feel like they're part of me. Like when they hurt, I hurt. We're part of one body. So that's why he said, who is weak without my feeling that weakness? Then he says, who is led astray and I don't burn with anger? He said, on the other side, when it comes to those guys who lead them astray, I get angry. So, so anger is a natural emotion. It didn't say he went out and killed him when he got anger, but it did say he got, he, he got angry. Because this is the same guy that wrote to be angry but sin not. So he's saying, look, I got this emotion, man. I burn with anger. But he didn't say he went out and hurt him now. But he let him know that, hey, man, when, when these guys were leading people astray, I wasn't standing there cheerleading and like, acting like it was okay. Man, I got angry about that. Because he was committed to Christ just that much. And he wanted to present, going back to the beginning, he wanted to present this church like a virgin's hand. Can you imagine, Major? And I'm just using a natural example. So in America's culture, let me use it. You, your daughter been telling you all her life, Dad, I'm a virgin. Dad, I'm a virgin. 
then you meet, y'all was arranging a marriage, and say, man, my daughter says she's a virgin. Your son say he's a virgin. Let's arrange this marriage. And, you know, they get married. Then all of a sudden, you find out your daughter lied to you. Or your son lied to you. Let me use the son, because the ladies say, oh, why are you picking on the lady? Okay, I pick on the man. You, you said the son was like, find out what. What'd that do to you? I mean, just think about it. You have to look at that in there. What would that do to you? I'm sure you would show some emotion when you talk to your son. I mean, you probably say, you probably wouldn't go there and say, oh, Dad, Dad, just understand. I, just, I understand. Oh, man, look at what you, you did. You, your emotion, you're going to show, you ain't going to hurt him because he's done now. But you ain't going to go there and pat him on the back and cheer him on and say, No, man, God, you let me down, man. You led me astray. You, you, if you had told me the truth, we could have been over this. But you led me astray by telling me a lie, and now it plays out like this. That's tough. Especially when people are being led astray. Paul said, man, I burn with anger. When I see people falling away from Jesus, you don't celebrate that. When I look, read articles now where people are falling away from Christ, falling away from the gospel, because they're just deconstructing the Bible and, and trying to prove that all the, the word of God is not true. And there are people falling away. And when I read those articles, man, it, uh, it upset me. How could people follow that foolishness like that? But people are doing it. So just, just Google deconstructing faith and see just what'll pop up when you see all the people. And some of the people out there who are doing it were big name children of big name ministers. People who were brought up in some powerful families. Now their children are deconstructing everything that daddy and mama's taught them. Some of the kids heard the talk, but they knew how that family looked. Probably so. I, I, I would imagine that got something to do with it. If you listen to some of their testimony, they saw the hypocrisy in their parents. So therefore, they hey, it wasn't working for them. And so therefore, we're not going to follow. So we're going to go now and show you everything that they said that wasn't true. We're going to deconstruct. And, 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 but they're deconstructing their faith based upon the errors of their father, not the errors of the word. The word is still solid. But if you can let the man or the woman who represent the word be presented in such a way, then people fall away based on that individual and not based on the word. And so that's why everything got to go back to God's word, man. That's why people got to know the word. But, but these guys are good, man. I'm telling you. I read their articles all the time, and some of them are very, very convincing. And the thing is, some of them have gone to seminary. These guys are highly educated. So they're taking everything that they've learned in the Greek and the Hebrew language, and now they're twisting and say, that really didn't mean that back in the Hebrew and this. They're saying it. You may have been taught something that don't mean that no more. And if you don't know, and these guys are skilled at that, then yeah, people start falling away from the gospel. Brother Mike? Yes, Pastor. Um, I don't think so, not really, but the Bible tells, told us that there will be a great falling away from the church. And then sometimes we question ourselves, why is there a falling away where people that we knew that was preaching the gospel and to them was preaching truth? But we have a warning 
that when, when God is purifying his church, you can always find the people who were preaching the gospel sincerely or people who were preaching it in, in whatever need, whether for money or whatever case it was, when the time comes, they're not going to stand. And, uh, and then we want to see a great falling away coming from there. And we don't know who, but the Bible tells us, and we have to take it seriously. Amen. Because uh, there will be a great falling away. Amen. And Mike, as you were talking that word, I told you were going to come back to me. My grandson, he says, it ain't genuine. Genuine. I said genuine. And he said, no, it ain't genuine. It's genuine. I said, really? <laughs> In Alabama, we said genuine. You know, but I got you. I, I accept that criticism. The idea said genuine. I'm probably going to say genuine next time I say it. Because genuine don't just roll off my lips like that. We did that how I learned it. And, 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 and so, but, but he did hit me with that. But he, and I, okay, you paying attention, man. All that I said on Sunday, you remember that? Okay. Step me right in the eye with it. Bam. Okay. But Fred, Fred, did you have your hand up? Did I see something? Will you say something? No? Okay. Well, let me just read on and go ahead and get to it. So he talked about he burned with anger. He says, if I must boast, I would rather boast about the things that show how weak I am, all the suffering he'd gone through, and how he, you know, even though he was preaching a powerful word, just like any other man, he suffered. He got cold, he shivered, you know, he got beat. So those things, he said, I don't want to boast about, I want to boast about the things I'm going through for the Lord. He says, God, the Father of our Lord Jesus, who is worthy of eternal praise, no, I am not lying. So see, I told you, somebody probably said, Major, Paul lying. So Paul got to come right back and say, look, I done said a whole lot right there, and there's somebody out there in the audience that's thinking, he lying. There ain't no way he could have went through all that with some dude named Jesus. It just ain't no way. So Spirit had to drop the rest. I know some of y'all sitting out there, and I got the Lord as a witness. I ain't lying to you. And, and, and saying stuff like that meant that they had to believe that he wouldn't make a word so oath and be lying when he make the oath. That's kind of like when we was coming up. Y'all remember we used to swear? They tell us not to swear. But, you know, we was coming up. We, we say, I swear for God. When somebody calls you, like, no, I swear for God. I'm telling the truth. And we supposed to believe that because you said you swear for God. That meant something. But we used to say that and didn't know it. And we know we'd be lying about stuff. Lying. And like I tell you all the time, we used to tease. We say, now when you swear on mama or dad a grave, then we believe you. We ain't believing in the God that we can't see. You may be lying about that, but let me hear you swear on Millie and Richard. Then that's, no, I ain't, no, I ain't gonna put no curse on my mom and my daddy now. I ain't new, I ain't going that far. So, I crossed my heart and hope to die. I crossed my heart and hope to die. <laughs> So <laughs> did you say that man? That means you both believe that. So he said, "Man, look, if you think I'm lying, I cross my heart." <laughs> so Paul said, "Man, I know some of y'all think I'm lying out there, but I'm not." He look at this. He says, "When I was in Damascus, the governor under the king under King Artus kept guards at the city gate to catch me. Then he says, I had to be lowered in a basket." through a window in the city wall to escape him. So he's just telling his story. Then you go, again, you go back and read Acts, you can find that 
how he had to be let down to get out of that city when they was trying to kill him. And so again, we see Paul going to a great length, considering himself acting like a fool just to get people to believe the truth of the gospel, just to get this church that he had birthed to stay true to Jesus and not fall away. He came out of character, but it was for a good cause to try to save this church. And so, you know, he's not through. Next week, you can tell by the way it ended abruptly there. Well, uh, uh, not next week, because next week, the Wednesday before Thanksgiving, we won't be here for a Bible study, but we'll pick it up when we come back in the next chapter. But you can tell how he kind of abruptly ended 33, in verse 33, that the next chapter kind of pick up as the, it, it would be a continuation and not a new chapter. But uh, we'll catch that next time. Any comments before we get ready to get out of here for tonight? Any comments? Any comments? Any comments? Yeah, good lesson. Paul said, man, you know, but Major, I tell you, man, like you said, like Brother Mike said, y'all been saying, these folks had to believe a whole lot of stuff based on a letter that someone carried or word of mouth. We at least have a Bible that someone has researched and put this all together based upon the Holy Spirit leaving uh, evidence for us to at least have a foundation. And so we just kind of have to stand on that and accept the God, the Bible as the word of truth. Amen? All right, some announcements before we leave. Some announcements. Uh, department reports are due tomorrow, I think. Tomorrow. So please get those in. I have them ready for Sunday's advisory board meeting. We encourage you to, to do that and, and be ready for the advisory board meeting on Sunday. Food giveaway is this Saturday. So if you want to come out and help with that, you can. The Armory is looking for team members. If you want to be a part of our Armory team, please do so. The community Thanksgiving on Thanksgiving Day from 12 to 3 going to be here at the church. Uh, we, we're planning a great meal for the community. So if you got some time, you're in town, and you don't have family, you want to come down, even if you're a member, you don't have to be someone that's just in the community. You can be a member here. We're going to have food prepared for you, having a blessed time. Our youth dancers are preparing the Chosen Journey, they're going to present that on the 2nd of December at 6th. It's almost like our version, a modern-day version of what we used to do back in the day as Christmas program, but this program is not geared around the Christmas story. It's just youth telling a story in their own way, and, uh, and we're looking forward to that. Robinwood Christmas program is going to be a combined with the choir caroling uh, over in Robinwood where we're going to celebrate the elderly over there. We're going to give them gifts and have a good time and, and the housing authority is going to give them a great meal. That's on the 9th. And then also the Black Dress Social is fastly uh, approaching uh, on the 17th of December. Uh, right now uh, we have 95 seats remaining. We got over 100 and some people that have already signed up. So if you got friends or family that want to go, want to be a part of it, ladies, we encourage you to go ahead and sign up because we believe these 95 seats are going to go so uh, please, please, please give us a call here at the office. Let us know your intent. And we would love to accommodate all the ladies, especially of striving, that want to go. I, I believe this is one thing that you're going to find to be a blessing as they celebrate Sweet 16, 16 years of Black Dress Social. Amen? All right, then. Well, with that said.